This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 142, Your Nervous System and Your Emotions. Did you know that your ability to understand, deal with, and effectively use your emotional energy is vital to your well-being, health, and happiness levels? Mental health might be just a little bit more in your control than you think. And today we're looking at how your nervous system can help you. This episode is going to be a great tool for you. For today's episode, I don't have a guest. I'm taking the spotlight again. I've been getting so many comments on my solo series on stress and the nervous system that we're continuing. I'm so glad these episodes have been helpful and I love connecting with you guys. So keep reaching out. For a full list of my solo episodes, go ahead and check out the show notes. I'll have that in there for you. And if you haven't listened to number 121, Nervous System 101, and number 128, Tools to Regulate Your Nervous System, I would suggest that you do that before listening to today's episode, as I'm going to build on some of the things we've already talked about in those two episodes. And after chatting with some of you, I have a gift for you. I have created a short video training to help you identify your stress and release it. So again, go to the show notes. You'll find a download link for that free video that will teach you how to recognize your stress and how to relax in just minutes. All right, let's get to today's episode on your nervous system and your emotions. Hey guys, welcome back. We've already talked about the nervous system quite in depth, and we're going to continue. But before we go there, I want to take a step back from the nervous system to look at three different parts of the brain, particularly the neocortex, the limbic brain, and the cerebellum. Then we'll talk about what are emotions, how they relate to your mind, your body, and your nervous system, and then we'll look at strategies to process emotions from a nervous system point of view. Now, there's a distinction I could make here today between feelings and emotion, but for now, I'm just going to use both as synonym. All right? Are you ready to get nerdy? (laughs) Now, remembering that the nervous system sends to and receives information from the brain, I think it's important to understand these parts of the brain when we are trying to backtrack our nervous system responses to our emotions and our thoughts to create changes in our baseline, in our window of tolerance, or in the common repeated patterned reaction we experience every day, which is what we're trying to do here, you know, give you the knowledge and the tools to move from surviving to thriving by taking responsibility for your own thoughts, your own emotions, and your own actions. So the first part of the brain we're looking at today is your neocortex. The neocortex is the seat of your conscious mind. It's often what we think of when we talk about the brain or the mind. It's that area of the brain that allows us to have free will. It's where we can learn new things. It's where we can have intent, where we can control our attention. It's also the seat of our capacity to speculate and to make decisions. So the neocortex is the part of the brain that is rational. Oftentimes we call it the thinking brain. And I know what you're thinking. Isn't the whole brain the thinking brain? (laughs) Kind of, but not really. You'll see as we keep going. The second part of your brain, the part we're looking at today, is the limbic brain. The limbic brain is not referred to as your thinking brain, is referred as your emotional brain your chemical brain, or sometimes your mammalian brain. So the limbic brain makes a chemical that we end up calling a feeling or an emotion. 
This allows your body to understand that your mind has already understood something. The knowledge is for the thinking mind and the emotional experience is for the body as a byproduct of your limbic system. So from a thought in your neocortex, your limbic brain creates a chemical to match the information so your body can understand the same information. The limbic brain also has other functions, one being it's the seat of your autonomic nervous system, hence our topic of today, uh, the connection between your emotion and your nervous system. So fun fact, both are governed by the same area of your brain. Hmm, look at that. Remember our talk on episode 121, Nervous System 101? The autonomic nervous system is the surveiller of your body and the main communication network for survival. Its job is to keep you safe, and it does so automatically, which here we can also say like unconsciously, right? Because it doesn't come from the neocortex. It doesn't come from the rational thinking brain. So it's involuntary and non-consciously, in a way, regulating your blood sugar, your hormones, your temperature, your heart rate, your respiration, your organs, your glands, etc., Right? So you can't quite use your thinking mind to just tell your heart to beat faster. I mean, you could try right now. Let me know if that works. If you want to make your heart beat faster for some reason, <laughs> you could think a thought that creates an emotion like fear or anger. And then as the limbic brain creates the chemical of fear of anger, your nervous system will in turn raise your heart rate. Are you following? Your neocortex is a thought or receive another input. Your limbic system is going to match that thought with the creation of an emotion to which your nervous system will create a cascade of body sensations to keep you safe in their circumstance. Isn't that mind-blowing? <laughs> now, with a lot of repetition, we create patterns that become more and more automatic, more and more easy, and more and more second nature. Over time, you don't even have to consciously think about it. It becomes like a subconscious program. That subconscious program activates the third part of the brain we're talking about today, which is your cerebellum. That's the part of the brain that is responsible for implicit memories. You know, the patterns that have been repeated so many times that they become quote-unquote who you are. So we go from thinking in the neocortex to experiencing with the limbic system to being thanks to the cerebellum. A simple example would be learning music. With the neocortex, you're going to learn the theory, how to read music, what different notes are, how they're usually combined, and what other musicians have done before with them. Then you'll start to practice. As you move and integrate it with your limbic system, you experience what music is, what it means to play music, and you create this emotional relationship with music. And as you repeat and you play again and again and again and again, there's a point where you don't have to think at where you put your fingers and what comes next and what you have to do. It's all second nature. It all feels automatic and it all feels part of you. And that's your cerebellum. So the brain works just like that with your emotions. Let's talk a little bit more about emotions and what they are. You've already learned today that emotions are a chemical produced by your limbic brain to match the thoughts you have. Mm -hmm. Then we added that some of those thoughts are subconscious and patterned. 
Another way to put this would be that your emotions are the language of your unconscious mind. I'll let that sink in for a second. Your emotions are the language of your unconscious mind. That means that your body speaks to you perfectly mirroring your thoughts, including your unconscious thought patterns. And because of that, your emotional brain can respond faster to incoming information than your thinking brain, especially if the pattern has already been established and now is automated. Like, have you ever experienced an emotion that didn't really make logical sense when you looked at it from your thinking mind? Like, let's say all of a sudden you're really angry at something your partner said, and then you stop about it, you stop and you think about it, and you know logically they didn't mean it, or they didn't mean it like that, or it's not even what they said at all. But you're angry, yeah? The emotion arises before the conscious thought and the conscious intellectual understanding of the situation. Your jaw clenched, your fist tightened, your breath got kind of cut. And this is partly why in Nervous System 101, we talked about the fact that we can't respond, we can't affect the nervous system response at the source, but we can influence it once it has happened. It is so, so fast. Remember? All right, so we are saying that not only emotions are a chemical, but because they create sensation in your body, because the nervous system responds to those in relation to the emotion and the chemical that is produced, emotions are a chemical that circulates and move through your body. The Latin word for emotion is emotere, literally meaning energy in motion. Understanding that emotions are energies implies that they're fluid, They're moving resources meant to be felt and release. Or, I mean, you could also end up suppressing and ignoring them, which I don't suggest you do too much. <laughs> I've done my fair share of that, and it hasn't been super helpful, just so you know. But you do you. <laughs> Now, when we start to see emotion as energy, we can start to understand that there's an energetic intelligence to our emotions. They're not random things that happen to us. They're not positive or negative. Your body gives you a constant stream of reliable information about your experience in the form of emotion and then sensations. And it's also relying on a private library of every experience and memory you've ever had, and even on your dreams for the future and your deepest desires. So you have information about that too in your emotional reaction. A simple way to put this is that everything physical is also emotional. Every sensation in your body comes from an emotional response. If there's something in your body that bothers you, if you feel pain, tension, constriction, there's a no somewhere that relates to it. There's something like a disappointment, a frustration, a fear, a worry, where in contrast, if you feel free and expensive and spacious, there's probably a yes that relates to this. There's probably a joy or an excitement or a hope or a sense of peace or a sense of love somewhere. So learning to notice your emotions and your body sensations are the key to transforming your life. As you get to understand that information, then you can take the right next action. Learning to see them as neutral, as messages about your experience will help you create the change you need. But don't worry, we'll come back to that. 
let's take a quick pause and look at what we've already talked about. When we relate our emotions to our mind, we know that they are created from our thoughts. When we relate our emotions to our bodies, we know that they are a manifestation of energy in motion. When we relate our emotion to our nervous system, we know they dictate a cascade of responses in all other systems that the nervous system governs, your muscular skeletal system, your glandular system, your hormonal system, and so on. Yeah? You know I like a good summary. (laughs) So let's dig a little deeper. Knowing how it relates to your body, mind, and nervous system, it helps us to know what steps we're going to need to take to create the change we want to create. And we can transform the quality of our emotions and the quality of our lives by learning to manage our mind, feel our emotions, and regulate our nervous system. Those are the three steps to create that change. Managing our mind for me comes down to, like other things we talked about, awareness, acceptance, and action. So you have three again, but these are steps. And we talked about those steps in episode 128, tools to regulate the nervous system. So I'll keep it simple and we'll use the same approach. And as you get to know me and you listen to more of these, awareness, acceptance, and actions are very often the steps to make a change. So number one, we need to build awareness. We need to build awareness in this case around our attention and our thoughts. We've talked about the thoughts quite a bit. So let's go into the attention for a moment. You know, we live in a very distracting world with a lot of things fighting for our attention all day long. Maybe it's a notification on your phone, on your computer. Maybe it's your giant to-do list, your kids, your coworkers, your partners. Maybe it's everything that needs to be done in the house because nowadays you work from home, right? Maybe it's advertising. There's so much. So learning to manage the flow of your attention is a key component to learning to manage your mind, especially for the benefit of your emotional state and your nervous system. So all day long, you can make choices on the stimuli you expose yourself to. For example, whether you want to listen or not to mainstream news. You can make a conscious selection of accounts you follow on social media and how much time you spend there. Same for TV, movies, music, even for choosing the people you spend time with or the conversation topics you are available for with these particular people. It all comes down to learning what is nourishing to you and allowing more of that in your life while allowing less of what is not. Have you ever heard where attention goes, energy flows? The idea is that consciously choosing what you give attention to becomes a self-regulation practice for your emotion and your nervous system. You can also make it a meditative practice. In yoga, we learn to control our attention, to focus on one point, for example, or to restrain the senses. An example of these meditation, parts of the eight limbs of yoga, one-point focus or restriction of the senses or practices that might help you to do this then off your mat. If your thoughts leads to feeling, then what you focus on, what you look for, and all the input that you choose to receive through your senses will then feed your thoughts. So let's say you're watching something on the news about a man assaulting a woman. That's an input. Then you have a thought, 
that um, a lot of men are predators. They're dangerous. They're not to be trusted. That's a thought. I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm just saying that that's a thought someone might have after seeing this on the news. Your body will then create the chemical of fear, mistrust, protection. Your nervous system will create tension in the body, will elevate your stress hormones, will modify your physiology so you're ready to fight or flight, even though you're alone in your apartment. Now, let's imagine that you receive this input a few times. Maybe it's the news. Maybe it's in a movie. Maybe you hear about something similar in a song. Maybe you hear the story of someone who's been victimized, someone you know. After repeating these inputs or repeating similar thoughts on the subject or repeating the same nervous system responses, there's a pattern that's being created to the point where you might meet a man you don't know and feel tense and mistrusting and maybe a little sweaty or clenching your jaw or so on. See how the three parts of the brain work here? And how from a thought, you get a feeling or an emotion, and from your emotion, you get a nervous system reaction. <sighs> yeah, take a breath with me. <laughs> When it comes to managing your mind to affect your emotional and nervous system response, you have to build awareness. Looking at the information stream, you feed your mind and your thoughts. Once you've built awareness on your attention and your thoughts, you have to bring acceptance so you can move from a loving place into action. We've talked about this before. We don't bully yourself into doing things, but I won't get into much detail here since I've gone through it before and I still have so many things I want to talk to you about. But if you were taught to man up and that big girls don't cry, you might have to learn a new way. You might have to break the cycle of cultural numbing or disregard for our experience and learn to come to terms with how you feel. And with the fact that it's not only okay for you to feel and okay for you to express how you feel, but it is essential for your health and your well-being. So when you're ready to take action, one way to start to create change is to control the input, right? Bringing in what's nourishing, removing what is not. But, or end, also, the better, long-term, sustainable way is, quote-unquote, to control your thoughts about the input. Because you won't always be able to control inputs. I'm sorry to say. But you'll always have agency over your own thoughts. That means we can consistently and reliably affect or change our emotions from our thoughts. To do so, you might need some somatic practices and meditation practices to prepare you, to help you get clarity. You might try affirmation, but I haven't found that affirmation alone at this stage are helpful. Journaling, on the other hand, particularly on your thoughts, really helps you see patterns that you repeat in your mind. I learned this incredible journaling tool from Victoria Albina, a guest that we've had here on the show on episode 106, Overcoming Codependency, Perfectionism, and People-Pleasing. And she's one of the coach I worked with. <laughs> and so this tool is called the Thought Work Protocol. It's like a journaling practice that allows you to create distance, to notice your thoughts and the circumstances that you were in when you had the thought, And then the choices you made from that and the results you got from that, and it allows you to create space 
and distance. So you can make a different choice. So you can become more present and more aware of what you're doing and more in control and less on autopilot. So that's one tool you can use. As we practice to manage our mind, in parallel, the second thing we need to do is to learn to feel our emotions. And the first step is to learn to listen better. This is called emotional awareness. We're starting to see a pattern here. With everything we do, awareness comes first. To express and to move the energy of an emotion, you need to be able to ID it first. You don't need to understand why it's there necessarily, but you need to know what it is. Because the actions you're going to take to move it are going to be different depending on what emotion it is. And not only from your thinking brain, because you can't think your way out of an emotion. Sorry again. You need to connect to the energy and notice the sensation in your tissues. Is there something tense, tingly, light, heavy, soft, smooth, hot, cold, rumbling, pressured like? Maybe it feels like a spider web. Like however you're going to describe the sensation, can you describe the sensation? Simply learning to listen to the emotions of the body alone as a calming effect on your nervous system. When we listen, and I mean like listening on an emotional level, when we feel the feelings, there's a calming and settling of our attention because we're focusing on one thing, that body sensation. And then there's a signal that you're safe because you're safe enough to turn your attention inward. You don't have to scan your environment to make sure a lion's not going to attack you in the next minute. You're safe enough to close your eyes, to rest for a moment. So your nervous system is going to respond accordingly to that. Now I know what you're thinking because I've had this fear too. But what if my feelings get out of hand? What if once I let myself feel, I spiral into the deepest, darkest time of my life and I get stuck there forever? First, that's such a normal and common thought. Your nervous system is wired to keep you safe, a.k.a. away from pain. So it might not want you to go there. You might have to build a sense of safety and trust within yourself first. Think of your nervous system here like a crying child. It's trying to get your attention. It starts to ask and to tell you what's wrong fairly gently, but if you're not listening, if it's not getting the attention it wants, it's going to start to exaggerate its communication to get the attention it wants. It will cry louder. It will yell. It will throw a tantrum. When you do listen, you don't need to have a solution. You don't need to fix anything. All you need is to hold space, to accept your experience. Ding, ding, accept. It can appear like you're doing nothing, but sometimes the most powerful thing we can do is quietly listen and feel. And as you do, your body will start to trust you again. And the thoughts of, this will never end, I will bottom out, not be able to function, and I will probably end up in a mental institute, will start to lose steam. So building safety comes from the way you talk to yourself and from feeling successful while taking baby, baby steps. So start small. Can you feel the floor? Can you feel your seat? Can you orient around the room? Can you place a hand on your heart and feel your own heartbeat? 
Can you take a deeper breath? Could you make a choice for yourself right now? Like, would you prefer a cup of tea or a cup of coffee? And then, as you practice this and you feel successful, you can go into emotions, but don't start with the most challenging for you right away. Don't dive into your deepest shame. Build up as you build up the trust. That way there's no or less tantrums. There's no mental institute and you've got your back. When we listen and feel, we're then able to move the energy to transform it, to transmute it. I've covered so many tools in episode 128, tools to regulate the nervous system. I almost think I gave you too many, um, but let's do a few examples here. <laughs> so after listening and IDing your emotion or the emotion you experience, you need to meet yourself where you are energetically. Then we can slowly transition into a different emotion and then we can get grounded into that energy. So here are some examples of meeting yourself where you are. You're feeling numb. You can put some weighted blankets on you. You're feeling disconnected from your body or like out of body. You can gently rub your body, naming the body part as you're touching. So let's say my right hand is rubbing my left arm. I could say this is my left forearm, my left elbow, my left upper arm. Get it? You feel agitated. You could do a shaking practice. You feel angry, you can yell or punch a pillow. You feel anxious, you could do a bellows breath. So the idea is that we do something energetically that resembles the energy of the emotion where we are now. We don't want to force ourselves to go and do the opposite right away. We want to meet ourselves where we are. Then, when you have met yourself where we are, that's a way that we show acceptance in our body and we build trust. We're like, I see you, I hear you. Then we can cultivate the opposite. So you might ask for a hug, do something playful, make art, go and sit down in meditation, do something very calming or grounding or that connects you to love, intimacy, right? Whatever it is you need on the opposite side. Then you get grounded into that new thing. It might be as simple as a couple of breaths saying, I am here and now whatever helps you get grounded. Using your nervous system regulation tools is a great way to manage your emotional state. It will eventually regulate how you view and experience the world on an everyday basis. The more you do it, the faster your nervous system will shift. There's this basic exercise for the nervous system that I teach where you stretch your eyes out to the corner of the eyes until you get a relaxation response like a yawn, a swallow, or a growling noise in your stomach. The first few times you do this exercise, it might take you like a minute, a minute and a half to shift into the relaxation state and to get your nervous system response. Over time, it gets quicker and quicker. And I've practiced this one a lot. So when I teach it, I usually yawn even before I tell my student to look for the yawn. So it sounds something like, stretch your eyes out to the corner of the eyes and then I yawn. And then I tell him until <laughs> you yawn, you swallow, or your stomach growls. For me at this point, it takes a few seconds. Because my nervous system knows what I'm asking it to do, it knows what's happening, and it has the habit of shifting that way. So the more you use a tool, the faster you'll shift and the more efficient it becomes. 
One thing we haven't talked about when relating our emotions to the nervous system is that there's a hierarchy when it comes to emotions. Remember what's the goal of our autonomic nervous system? Yep, it's to keep you safe. What does that mean? Your brain and your nervous system are going to prioritize the experience of stress, the feeling of worry, fear, and anger over feelings of happiness, love, and peace of mind. That means that the nervous system has the intelligence to distinguish between quote-unquote positive and negative emotion. And I'm saying that because it's not random that we think some emotions are positive and some are negative. We didn't make that up. It's coming from a sense in our body. More accurately, it's not that the emotion is positive or negative because in fact, emotional energy is neutral. It's more that your nervous system knows what energetic vibration or emotional current or physical sensation is associated with danger versus with safety. And danger is a no-no. So your sympathetic response and your dorsal response are associated with danger, and your ventral response is associated with safety. There are specific emotions that are associated with danger, and danger from a survival point of view is bad. So over time, a constant stream of these emotions have a negative impact on your health and your well-being. So we might like jump from the emotion to the negative impact on our health and well-being and make it a negative emotion. And of course, feeling anger is actually super healthy. It's super positive. But feeling angry every single day without being able to move the energy through your body and being stuck in that current will have some impact on your health. So before we go a little further, let's refresh your memory on the nervous system, especially the autonomic branch. Do you remember the different branches of your nervous system? I just mentioned them quickly. Sympathetic, dorsal, and ventral. Your sympathetic response or your fight or flight is your stress response. It's like having the foot all the way on the gas pedal. You're activated, you're mobilized, you're ready and energized to get rid of any threat. The emotions you'll feel are fear, worry, anger, agitation, confusion, overwhelm, anxiety. Your dorsal response is like your foot is completely on the brake. You're shutting down. You're immobilizing. You're immobilized. You're collapsed, frozen, unable to take action. So you don't feel fear and worry and anger and agitation. You feel petrified. Sad, stuck, numb, disconnected, hopeless, helpless, ashamed, empty, and so on. In contrast, your ventral response, you're socially engaged. You're connected. You feel safe. You function optimally. So you're able to alternate between giving gas and giving break as you need. You'll be able to feel emotions like love and peacefulness and trust and playfulness, open-heartedness and curiosity and creativity. So if we go back to the idea of having a constant stream of emotion that relate either to your sympathetic response or your dorsal response, can you see now that overindulging in these emotions can have a negative impact on your well-being and health? For example, 
when you're experiencing emotion like fear, frustration, anger, your heart rhythm are spiked and jagged because there's a neural, meaning nerve, connection between your heart and your brain. Your blood pressure rises and those emotions even affect your ability to think clearly. So if you're like in this every single day, might you have more chances of having heart issues than someone else? <laughs> or blood pressure issues than someone else? And the opposite is also true. So whenever you feel loved and appreciated, as you generate an internal feeling of emotional well-being, your heart rhythm becomes synchronized and harmonious. And just to continue with the same example, you have the ability to think a lot more clearly and you have access to creativity when it's time to find a solution to a problem. Now, a constant stream of emotions like fear, frustration, and anger are known to overtax your autonomic nervous system with stress signals, causing its neural network to jam. Imagine like if you're trying to drive, but you have one foot all the way on the gas and one foot all the way on the brake. It's not going to work very well. Not only do the signals get blurred, and so then they get ignored, but when there's too many, when they are chronic, the communication gets confused, and then we don't know what's true anymore and what's important anymore. So regulating your nervous system from an emotional point of view means managing your emotional experience moment to moment, which is managing your mind, feeling your emotions, and using your nervous system tools to come back to ventral vagal as often and as quickly as possible. So here are two questions for you. Ready? Take a pen and a paper. Write those down. Number one. When you look at your lifestyle, what's the most realistic and sustainable change you can make today? When you look at your lifestyle, what's the most realistic and sustainable change you can make today? Is it like a one-minute diaphragmatic breath before bed? Is it a one-minute belly massage in the morning? Is it an inner ear release when you sit in the car or vagus nerve activation before getting out of bed? Or is it focusing on one glimmer and using it to re-anchor yourself again and again? Again, if you're not sure what those tools are, go back to episode 128. So choosing one thing that you can do every day to start to regulate your nervous system is a great way to not overwhelm yourself with all the tools that exist and to start to see change as you get back into ventral vagal more often. Question number two, still have your pen, ready? How could you give yourself more of a nourishing diet of quote-unquote positive or uplifting emotions such as appreciation, love, and compassion to signal to your nervous system that it can relax and to promote an internal environment of peace and harmony? How could you give yourself a nourishing diet or a more nourishing diet, emotionally speaking? Make a list of ideas. Mm -hmm. Answer these questions and start to implement tools to build your nervous system resilience to emotions in general. And then also to build your capacity to oscillate between the states as you need of your nervous system. Over time, the more time you spend into ventral, the faster you bring yourself back there, you'll be more and more able to deal with pain and with the less desirable inputs. So when I talked about removing the inputs, it's a solution in the short term, and then in the long term, when we learn to manage our nervous system and our emotions and our attention and all these things, the inputs don't have as much as an impact on us. So we 
can kind of ignore them more easily without having to cut them out necessarily. When we are in sympathetic, we are wired to resist. When we are in dorsal, we are wired to quit. And when we are in ventral, we are wired for creativity. So remember that resistance creates more pain. And quitting creates more of that feeling of being stuck. Where creativity creates way more solutions to any problems. When we are equipped to deal with the negative, with the parts of life that feel terrible, we can actually grow. We can actually accomplish stuff and take risks and be happy even when we fail, even when it's chaos around us. Feeling good cannot be the only driver for you because that will guarantee that you will never actually pursue or achieve anything you truly want because those are usually hard. So remember, a thought leads to a feeling or an emotion and a nervous system reaction. Yeah? Well, creating a new nervous system reaction with a regulation tool can create a new feeling or emotion, which can create a new thought. Look at that. It works both ways. Wow. That was a lot, right? You now understand the role of your brain in your emotional response. You know what emotions are and how they relate to your mind, body, and nervous system. And you know how to process some emotions. We said, number one, you need to manage your mind through your attention and your thoughts. Number two, you need to feel your emotions by listening better and learning to move and transmute the energy. And number three, you need to regulate your nervous system with tools to bring you back into ventral vagal as often and as easily as possible. You can do it. And I'm here if you need help. You'll find a link in the show notes to book a coaching call if that's what you need. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode or the podcast in general, anywhere you listen. It truly helps people find it. You'll find the show notes if you're looking for them at ericabelanger.com slash 142. There's all sorts of good things in there for you. You have the links to the other solo episodes. You have your downloadable stress video, that little gift free video training I made for you. And you'll also find a coaching link and other resources that I talked about during this episode. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members. Thank you, guys. So once again, thank you for listening in. See you next Monday.